السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام عليك بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه الحمد لله الحمد لله الحمد لله We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us to always do what is most pleasing to him subhanahu wa ta'ala and we are all in need of tawfiq enabling grace from him subhanahu wa ta'ala so that we can do what is pleasing to him and the greatness of tawfiq one of the proofs of why it's so great is because with the meaning of enabling grace it's only mentioned once in the Quran وَمَا تَوْفِيقِ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ That my tawfiq is only from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this was a dua that our teachers in Mauritania, and specifically Marabat al-Hajj, he would say regularly. He would ask for tawfiq in afiyah. That Allah give you enabling grace, and that Allah give you well-being, and all of the meanings of well-being. In someone who becomes successful in the spiritual path, They say that person is muwaffaq. And ultimately there's nothing that you and I can do, i.e. that person has received tawfiq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's a beautiful word that you have to find some way to translate it. Enabling grace is nice in English. However, tawfiq, when you say that in Arabic, it's so much more profound. It's so much further reaching. And what a blessed language this is. And while we have to speak and translate outwardly and inwardly the realities of this deen. There's no doubt about this. This is something we have to do. Living in lands where the native language is not Arabic, at the same time, we also have to start plunging into the depths of the Arabic language. And really we're not even, we think that we're plunging into the depths, but really we're still in the shallows because it's such a deep language. And there are so many meanings that this language has in it, and there's so many different ways to express the loftiest and the highest meanings. And as one of our teachers said, this is the language that Allah Jalla Jalalu has chosen for the best of creation. For the chosen one, Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and he went on to then say, is that all of the beauty that is found in all of the other all other languages, because all language is a sign of Allah, and all languages are beautiful. But ultimately, they stem from the beauty of the most beautiful person ever created. Our Prophet Muhammad wasallam language is from among the things that Allah Ta'ala has created. And everything ultimately is from the blessings of Rasulullah wasallam. So it is upon us to ask Allah regularly for tawfiq. And one of the greatest manifestations of tawfiq, if Allah gives someone enabling grace, you will find that person very careful about he or she spends his or her time. And that you will find them striving to make the best of every moment, making the most of every single moment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala permits that person to live. And this is one of the great traits of the righteous. And this is across the board. Wherever you travel in the Muslim world, you will see 
the true people of Islam that have embodied the Sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, they simply don't waste time. I remember being in class with Marabat al-Hajj, you would come and you would read with him. And oftentimes there'd be other students who would start reading right after you. But if you stopped reading and paused for a second or two, he would immediately say, La ilaha illallah. In a way that would resound, that would impact you very deeply. Because this is someone who's saying, La ilaha illallah, with a state. He's moved up in the meanings of La ilaha illallah, where he's not just realized in the meanings of La ma'bud illallah. He's not just realized in the meanings of La maqsud illallah. He's realized in the highest manifestations, La mawjud illallah, La mashhud illallah, of the meanings of La ilaha illallah. And that impacts you. And it's not that he's saying it loudly, but just there's something when a true, realized individual says it, it impacts you. And I remember that being one time with one of his greatest students, Marab Ahmed Fal, and we were sitting there and he was very kind. He was very gracious, very welcoming, very hospitable. But you had to realize, you realize that there was a point where you had to just stop and move on to whatever it is that you need to be doing because he has a mission. He would welcome you, he would ask questions, he would talk to you. But then if you went too long, you could start to see him get a little bit uneasy. And he would start like making dhikr with his hands and different things where we should get the ishara and the indication, okay, it's time for us to move on and talk amongst ourselves, but it's not for him to do what it is that we do. He's either going to be in a state of teaching, a state of remembrance, a state of worship, or something of that sort. And you see how careful they are with their time. And I think about my experiences that in the Blessed Valley of Hadramot as well, our teachers, how careful they were. Literally, you see a living example of what Allah means when He says, فَإِذَا فَرَغْتَ فَانْصَبْ وَإِلَى رَبِّكَ فَرْغَبْ فَإِذَا فَرَغْتَ One of the meanings of this verse, once you finish, i.e. one form of worship, one type of act of goodness, فَانْصَبْ Literally, erect yourself. Start another one immediately. وَإِلَى رَبِّكَ فَرْغَبْ And desire what is in the presence of your Lord. This is what you see from one act to another, from one gathering to another. And everything that they spend their time doing is ultimately for the sake of Allah. Everything that they do, they do with intention. And they are the most careful of people in terms of how they spend their time, not wanting to waste a single moment. Because we know because our Prophet taught us وسلم, and he told us and informed us something about the reality of people when they enter into paradise even. Even after having entered into paradise, they wish they could come back to the world and just make one, remember Allah one more time. Because they see the reward of what Allah has in store for those who remember Him and for those who do righteous deeds here in this world. And the yield that they receive in the next. And so you see them very careful about their time. And you find them that this state of batala, idleness, which so many people are in, and this goes hand in hand with this word that we really shouldn't say, I'm bored, boredom. And this is something that if our kids use that word, we have to find creative ways to that make sure that they don't say that word again because they should never say that word and we should never say that word. And that should never be our state even if we don't say the word. 
because there's too much to do. Remaining idle is a very dangerous state to be in because when you're idle, you pray to shaitan. It's very easy for him and his host to lead you astray and to that insinuate various types of things that will that take you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So being concerned about our time, this is the tradition of the great scholars who came before us, to the extent that they mention these miraculous stories of those who came before us. And yes, we should mention them even if it's not our state. Because even mentioning them, just mentioning the righteous mercy descends. Just by mentioning them, let alone if you mention them with love. And even if you can't be like them, you try. And by mentioning their stories, mercy distance, you come to love them, and at very least you'll be with them, which is the greatest thing of all. And to the extent that you put the words into practice, even partially will be to the extent that you're actually close to them in the next world. So we should mention these stories, even if we think that they're too far from us. And they mention about the great Imam who, uh, of Hadramaut, Imam Abdullah bin, bin, bin Hussein bin Tahir, when he was gifted a wind-up watch. And the person who gifted it to him asked him sometime after he gave it to him. And he said that, how do you like the watch that I gifted you? And he said to him, do you have to wind it for it actually to work? And obviously you don't have to wind it that much. It doesn't really take that much time to wind the watch. And then it's functioning for a long period of time. And he said, yes, this is how this watch works. And he said, I, can't, I couldn't find time in my schedule to spend winding it. And they mentioned another beautiful story where, and this is something you and I should do in the upcoming months, that we are getting very close to Rajul. And then in the month of Sha'ban, we should gather our family. And we should ask everyone in, our fa in the family what they plan to do in Ramadan. Set a schedule. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about schedule here in a minute. Set a schedule for Ramadan. And after that he had all of his children mention what it is that they were going to do in the blessed month of Ramadan, he asked one of them, will any of you sell me their time? Will any of you sell me their time? Which is obviously something that you can't do. But it's so important to the extent that they actually say that your time, your lifespan, which is essentially a number of breaths, is your ratz al-mal. They put it and they use a term that is normally used for money. It's your capital. It's that initial money that you have to invest in order to make more money. This is all you have ultimately is time. Innukum ayyam. Ya ibn Adam. Innukum ayyam. As the famous statement of Imam al-Hasan al-Basri has it, you are days. This is our reality. We are a set number of days, a set number, an accumulation of a set number of moments. And he said, when I looked at my schedule, I didn't find any extra time to increase in anything in the blessed month of Ramadan. His schedule was so well laid out. And this is the secret of getting the blessing from your time having a schedule. And when Imam al-Ghazali says that every breath that we take is a precious jewel, every moment of our lives, the way you bring blessing into your life is to develop a schedule. Certain times where you do certain things. And in the classes that Habib Hussein al-Saqaf was giving last summer, he mentioned some of these special times that are especially helpful for a husn al-Khatima, for a good seal. And what is our state when the sun is setting and when the sun is rising? When the sun is setting, 
and the sun is rising. He said, what is your state before you go to bed and immediately when you wake up from bed? He said that what is your state during the last tashahud in prayer? And he mentioned a couple other things as well, but these are times that you and I can all work on to make sure that we're doing something that is pleasing to Allah. If the sun is about to set, let's repent and let's make dua. If the sun is about to rise, let's try to be awake and in a state of ibadah, worship, before we go to bed. When we wake up, immediately, that the first thing, which is, Alhamdulillah, that all praise be to the one, Ahyana, Ba'dama who gave us life after having caused us to die. Because sleep is the brother of death. Unto him is the resurrection. We're going to one day really die and then wake up and then all be driven to the plane of judgment on the resurrection. And then in the tashahud, be present. Let's all strive to be present during these periods of time, this period of time. And so the way that Imam Sulmi frames this is he says in talking about it as a trait of spiritual chivalry, he says, is for and you ra'id abd ahwaluhu wa anfasuhu. Wala yudayya minha shay'in lidharika. And this translates roughly as it is from Futuwa for a servant to keep an eye on how he spends time and not waste a single moment. But again, the richness of the Arabic language, you can't really translate this because the word that he uses is yura'i. And this comes from the word to shepherd. Ra'ah is to shepherd. And when you shepherd and you herd goats and you take care of a flock, you have a lot of responsibility. And you have to look out for the flock and to make sure that they all stay together and so forth and so on. So look at the imagery here. That everything that you need to take care of a flock, you sh we should learn to shepherd our time. But then he said, your ahwal and your anfas. Your ahwal is the plural of how, which is all of your different states all of the different things that you do and all of your different situations that you find yourself in in circumstances and your enfas, which is the plural of nefes, your breaths, is that you need to shepherd all of that, preserve all of that, observe all of that very closely and watch over all of that so that you spend it in the very best of ways and you make the most of every single moment. And he says, and not to waste a single moment. And it is for this reason that the great Imam Sahal ibn Abdullah Tustari that he said, your time, i.e. the time that Allah gives you, is the most precious thing of all that you've been given. So use it for the most precious of things. The thing that's the most precious thing of all that we've been given is time. How do we spend it? We should use it for the very best of things. And then that opens up a whole door where we have to learn what is the very best thing that we can do in every given moment. Because every moment is different. And what we want to do is to train ourselves to do what is most pleasing to Allah in every given moment. And one of the great ways we can do that is to strive to achieve the state of muraqaba, vigilance, where we bring to heart that Allah sees us. And then if we have knowledge will be inspired with what it is that we should be doing in that particular moment. And then Imam Junaid said, All of good is summarized in three things.
that if you don't spend your day doing something that's going to benefit you and literally be for you, then don't spend it in a way that is going to be against you, where you're going to bring about harm on yourself because of the decision that you made. And he said, when lem tashabit akhyar, fala tashabit ashrar. He says that if that you don't take the companionship of good people, very least don't take the companionship of bad, of companionship of bad people. And then, when lem tunfik malak fima lillahi fihi rida, fala tunfiku fima lillahi fihi sakhat. If you don't spend your wealth on things that will lead to the pleasure of Allah, at very least, don't spend your wealth in things that will lead to His wrath. So, how do we spend our time? Who do we take the companionship of? And what are we doing with our wealth? May Allah forgive us for all of our shortcomings and inspire us to do what is pleasing to Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then in closing, I just wanted to share, this is taken from the Success Magazine website. I thought this was very helpful. Because it says that these are eight things that successful people never waste time doing. Eight things that successful people never waste time doing. And one of the ways of translating the muwaffaq is someone who's successful. But not in a worldly sense as this is really for. In a corporate sense or in a relation to that the people of dunya, the way that they see things. We take from this and we apply it ultimately to our deen and to the religion. But the first is productive, successful people don't get sucked into social media. That's the first thing that they mentioned. And they say that you need to learn how to control how much time you spend on it. So at least put a time limit or do your best to minimize it. Second, productive, successful people don't go through the day without a plan. That's essentially what the scholars of the science of Tasawwuf of Ihsan teach us. Plan out your day. And then you rely upon Allah, not your plan. Plan out your day. But your reliance is not upon your schedule or your regime. It's upon Allah. And that will come clear when something comes your way that was unexpected. You can't just say, oh no, my plan was to do this. If you need to do something different, you have to. Based upon the situation Allah places you in, but you will find blessing in your time if you do that. Third, productive, successful people don't do emotionally draining activities. This is partially true. Sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you need to be there for your brother. Sometimes you need to that counsel someone. Sometimes you need to deal with a difficult situation. But you could say here unnecessary that emotional draining activities. We should be, want to use our strength for the very best thing of all that we can do and realize that all of us have limited strength. If it's being drained in multiple ways, then you're not going to have the focus that you need to do the things that you really need to do. Fourth, productive, successful people don't worry about the things they can't control. That's tasawwuf. La ilaha illallah. Worry doesn't help you at all. So, that turn your thoughts to action-based activities, to things that we can actually do. Number five, productive, successful people don't hang out with negative people. Productive, successful people don't hang out with negative people. And there's a lot of armchair critics out there. And there's a lot of people when you're around them will make you despair. When you're around them, they just make you want to just give up. 
and their discourse is one of just tearing things down. It's very easy to tear things down, but try to build something. Try to build something and see how hard it is. Not just a physical building, whatever it might be, and see how hard it is to build anything. And building people is the greatest thing that can be built, and that's the hardest thing of all. And we're not to be for the mercy of our teachers, la ilaha illallah, who haven't given up on us when they sh you might have thought that they should have given up on us a long time ago. It's a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they're the most merciful people. But don't hang out with negative people. And don't have, and people have different tendencies towards pessimism and negativity. And some temperaments are more inclined towards those than others. However, we should be around people that uplift us. And in the end, that what's the point of being negative? That's not going to help you. Remain positive. And in the end, you must remain optimistic. This is how our Prophet was. In the end, no matter how bad the world gets, what Allah has in store for the believer is beyond any conception ultimately. And then the last three, productive, successful people don't dwell on past mistakes. What a beautiful piece of wisdom. You made a mistake, you repent from that mistake, you rectify yourself and you move forward. And even if you keep making that mistake, every time you do it, you dust yourself off, you repent from that mistake and you keep moving forward. And then productive, successful people don't focus on what other people are doing. Look how beautiful that is. You don't worry about what other people are doing. If you're like at the level of being a student, you're not worried about how fast other people are progressing. You work on your own self. That's all that matters. Your institution, it doesn't matter what other institutions are doing. You work on your own self and do what it is that you can do. And then finally, productive, successful people don't put themselves last in priority. I would tweak that a little bit and that say that make sure to maintain your own self. That's a responsibility. You have to give yourself its right. And you have to, by way of diet, by way of rest, all of the various lifestyle factors, give yourself a try. Because if you're not healthy and strong, you're not going to be able to benefit other people and to help them. And anything that you need to do to maintain yourself so that you can then help other people is not selfishness. That's being that, that's, that's fulfilling the rights that Allah has given your physical body and that everything that goes along with it. So there's a lot of wisdom in that. And may Allah bless us to be from these people that literally shepherd our time, that keep an eye on how we spend our time and to use it for His sake, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in ways that will be beneficial and lasting. Everything is perishing except His countenance. And every it's one of the meanings of this verse is, every deed that you do for His sake will remain. And you'll seek the reward of it and receive the reward of it from Allah Ta'ala if it's accepted in the next world. May Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq and give us openings and to protect us as a community and all the Muslims wherever they might be on the face of this earth. And bless us to be the keys whereby which the, the doors of evil are of, of, of good are opened and locks whereby which the doors of evil are closed. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.